1: 97.1 FM Talk. On Demand Audio. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the
2: best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. The Mark Reardon Show. He's a bully with $17 million in a security detail.
3: Quit the tough guy act. You know where to find me. Any place, cowboy.
0: It's common sense. You know, some things are law and I'm all in favor of that. And some things are common sense. And I boo!
1: In the whole house show. This is the Reardon Roundtable.
4: We are on creation at Incarnate Word Catholic Church on Olive and Chesterfield. It's a little quiet here right now because the fish fry doesn't really ramp up until four o'clock officially. The crowd is going to build. We have a few fans in the room this afternoon. <laughs> how about for those Our people one. who are here, how about? Yeah, woo. Woo! there you go. <laughs> There's some people here. There's All some people right. here. The big. Right. the we were told, and by the way, let me introduce the uh, panel. First of all, Sue, how are you? We were informed Fine. because the parents are going to come here to the school to pick the kids up, and we had to make sure that we were all in here so we weren't taking parents' parking spots and things like that. And
2: yeah, that's a big deal, especially on a Friday. So if you're going to come... Do it uh, after that happens, what, 3.30 maybe after that, Yeah, 3:40? I think after
4: 3.30, and Sue is very excited because we were supposed to be here two weeks ago when the uh, the surprise snow came in, and they have gumbo at this particular fish fry. I have so. been
2: thinking about this for two weeks.
4: <laughs> and we're excited about that. The other thing that you might notice, because it's very quiet, right, Jane's not here, so that's probably something <laughs> that jumped out right away to you. She is off. Um, she decided to go to see Alabama play Tennessee in basketball. Her daughter works in the um, athletic department for Alabama. But I think that we can all agree, as I introduce the panel here, that we are <laughs> volunteer fans this weekend. Go Tennessee! <laughs> Let me introduce the panel. Uh, Donna Behringer's uh, pinch hitting state senator. How are you, state rep? We just um, promoted you, Donna. How are you? Hey,
5: thank you for the promotion.
4: Uh, former state senator John Lamping is here. John, good to see you. Good to see you too, Mike. And thank you for keeping the appointment because he was on the uh, on the roster a couple of weeks ago. And I'll go anywhere for a fish fry. <laughs> well, yeah, Jeff Rainford with Rainford and associates here as well hello Jeff hey uh, great to be here my first time out here they have a really beautiful campus out here it really is beautiful the room we're in right now and the cafeteria is awesome and they're gonna set up and start doing the fish here in a little bit before we get to some of the topics I have a, a Fannie Willis update here this afternoon I want to do something just a little bit of a shout out personally and we'll play a little music because even though many of you will not know the person I'm about to talk about you will know the music that I'm about to talk about and uh, my friend Bob Heil passed away this week at the age of 83, Bob was known for... Ethan, crank that up just a little bit so people can hear this, okay? Keep it a little high there so, so they can hear it behind me. That's called the Heil Top Box. And Bob Rampen. Heil gave this little piece of machinery that actually, the technology goes back to the 1920s, right? And he developed this in the 1960s, perfected it. And Peter Frampton's girlfriend needed a present for him, Penny, in 1973, I think it was. Bob gifted them that talk box. Peter Frampton's life changed forever. Rock music changed forever. And obviously, and I'll play a little bit more of this, Bon Jovi's used the talk box. Joe Walsh has used the talk box, but Bob Heil was a radio and a video, I think, pioneer. And just the quick version of Bob's story is in 19, I might be getting the dates off a little bit, 1972, he had taken some big loudspeakers from um, the Fox Theater to mess around with him, right? And big, large-scale amplification in rock music wasn't something that was happening at that time. So Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead show up at the Fox, they don't have proper amplification because their um sound guy got popped for drugs down in new orleans so the guy at the fox says hey this guy bob hiles mess around with these speakers right jerry garcia gets on the phone with bob Heil. bob says yeah i can come on down he ends up going on the road with the grateful dead for two years he changed rock music this guy was a legend not only the talk box but large grand scale amplification that happened, that we still enjoy in stadiums today, that is because, in large part, Bob Heil. And Jeff, you know, he was a radio engineer at KMOX, and that's kinda where he cut his teeth when he was a kid. He played the organ at the Fox Theater when he was, I think, 14 or 15 years old, and was a pipe organ expert, he was a ham radio enthusiast. He also, I can go on and on because I love this guy so much, he was a pioneer in um, satellite television. You know, when, when nobody knew what satellite television was, Bob Heil was involved in that. And he was just a really special man. He also made Heil microphones, which many artists to this day use. And the story that I share about Prince is, Bob sent um, Prince a microphone many years ago, and it was purple. And Prince used the microphone, and the quote was, where has this microphone been all my life? And he thought it was custom-made because it was purple. It wasn't. It was just Bob's color was purple as well. And Prince always used that Heil microphone. So I had to do a short uh, tribute here to my friend Bob Heil because uh, he meant a lot to me. He meant a lot to everybody out there that appreciates music. So uh, thank you for allowing me a little time to talk about the legendary Bob Heil dead, unfortunately, at the age of 83. And you know, let me just say this, too, because I feel so crappy. So you can probably relate to this just because, you know, I, I say these things maybe from time to time. I spoke with Bob last August and he was not doing well and I thought about him a lot in the past six weeks and yeah. I thought, you know what, I need to reach out and how many times you do that and then you don't you don't reach out and I'm not even certain that I could have gotten a hold of him but I had deep regrets because I, I, I just had something in my gut yeah I just and didn't it, reach out.
2: It, I found that when they come when they come to your thought you really should do something. I know. I'm not saying I do it all the time,
3: but well I, that's I'm that's the more. lesson. All right. Well, you know what you do, Mark. I, I heard that profile interview you did with him. Um, was, was, was the Cam Watch profile yeah, I did years profile. ago? I mean, right. Get that on the website. That yeah. was that was great, and all the history about the Fox and all the I'm gonna, rock thank history. Thank you for saying yeah. that, John.
4: We're tracking it down. It's in the archives, and I'm going to try to pull oh some God. of the oh, audio for, uh, for Monday afternoon because he really was a special man. And then, only because I always try to make things about me, it really is one of my deepest personal disappointments. About nine years ago, eight years ago, I, I tried with some friends, and we were really on a roll to try to make a, a documentary about Bob Miel. Mm. And then the pandemic hit. And, you know, there were other circumstances as well, but the pandemic really killed it, and and that was just sad. So his story needs – I can't write a book. If I could have written a book, I would have written a book about Bob Hile. Let's talk about some stuff going on. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to pay attention to what's happening in Georgia today. There's been no ruling, but – Closing arguments in the Fonnie Willis disqualification case. John, did you hear any of this today? One thing I will say, and this is just kind of outsider's perspective, listening to the judges or the judge and the prosecutor and the, you know, the other lawyers involved. This DA that's arguing on behalf of Fonnie Willis is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I don't know if that's going to cost him the case, but this
3: looks problematic
4: for Fonnie Willis
3: heading into a decision. Well, it's been a, it's a comedy of errors the last 10 days uh, following this. I didn't, hear, I didn't see what went on today. But um, I can't imagine that, the, that she'll be on this case after this weekend. I
4: think the question would be, are they going to just toss it all together? Now, Rainford, Donna, I know you've been busy in Jeff City. I don't know if you saw the, you know, the conflicting text messages based on the testimony of Nathan Wade's former law partner, but there's, there's no doubt, and some of this came out a week ago, that there were lies that were told on the stand. So I think that the case has been made for disqualification. They went through some particulars about that today, but then... What happens next? She's She said, look, this is not about me. This is about a guy who tried to steal the election, right? That's what that's what they're trying to do here. But this is not going to help yeah. the Democrats, I don't think.
2: No, of course not. So um, even, you know, sort of um, moderate Democrats like me are like, okay, you have to follow the law. We all knew what would happen out of this, which is it would martyr uh, President Trump and would would seal, if he wasn't already going to get it, the nomination, and would really turn even people who don't like him um, more into his corner. But I said at the beginning, if the evidence is what it is and you've got a solid case and you're a competent prosecutor, then you got to do what you got to do. This is not that. How <laughs> she could possibly think in such a high-profile case that going on vacations with her lover-slash-hired um investigator or whatever it was was going to be a good idea was never going to be discovered and wasn't going to take the case Shows incredibly bad judgment, and I'll just say again what I say every time on this show President Trump is one of the worst human beings on the planet, one of the worst presidents. And the only what? way he wins, Jane's the listening, only way, she's happy. the only way, the only way, for her, right? The only way he wins if the Democrats blow it. And this is an example of the Democrats blowing it. Yeah, but this woman she perjured herself, you know, she uh, perjured herself. I think she well, no, so, she so, she's 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 messed it up.
5: Well, it, the st- moral of the story is, and I say it over and over and over over don't do texting because it's going to be used it's a document and someone will find it it's kind
4: of amazing you know the one thing i would say one of the first things and i've had other politicians that have done this too when eric schmidt became attorney general that was it for text messaging somebody i think he said chris Coster told him to do that and he said change your phone every couple yeah, of years yeah, too you know
2: why we in when i was in the mayor in Mayor mayor's office we didn't have to worry about our text because we weren't out having uh, um, turning an employee into a boyfriend. You don't do that any time, even if it, nobody's watching. But in a high profile case, right. the lack of judgment here is, you know, as a Democrat who thinks that this person shouldn't be president, you know, I willing, was willing to give her the benefit of the doubt, but now I'm turned against her. I, I, you know, whether they throw the case, whether the case goes forward it kind point, of doesn't right? matter yeah. anymore. Because no. even they if,
4: they, if they don't throw the case, the case is not going to have any resolution right. no, before the end of the year, Or before even before if November. there's a
2: conviction. It, you know, people in the middle, people in the right and left have made up their minds, but the people in the middle who are open-minded are going to look at this and go, yeah, maybe the Trump people are right. You know, our friend Jane
4: has been very insistent. John, I want to get you involved in this and, and all three of us. She, she feels, and we can have this conversation all the way until November and no one's ever gonna change their mind, but do you truly believe, I'll start with uh, Rainford,
2: that there are undecided voters? Like truly, oh, yeah. unde- you do. Because the two candidates are so despised. I mean, President Trump's approval ratings are in the toilet, President mm-hmm. Biden's approval ratings are in the toilet, and people who aren't like sheep following the left or sheep following the right are like can't we have a different choice? Why do we gonna have these two guys? So if push comes to shove, and they'll may make a very last minute decision on whether to vote or not, whether which one to vote for, because they can't they don't like either one of them. Sorry. Are there are there truly because
3: you've heard Jane's me? position is there's not truly undecided voters, right? The, are there really, John? Well the well, it doesn't matter right now. I think what we're seeing happening in polls all across the country, and these are left-leaning polls in all the swing states. Trump is starting to open up a pretty big gap. Uh, I would say, he yeah. Is. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's four to, to eight points in all these swing states. Seventy-five uh, percent of everyone, Democrats, everyone thinks that Biden's way too old. And uh, so they're undecided, but they're deciding which way they're going to go. And if the election were held today, it's not held today, right, obviously. So Nick, That's a long time between now and election day. Well, it's Nikki yes. Haley. Uh,
4: we, let's go back. We've had a couple of things that have happened. South Carolina, Michigan this week. I don't know if you have any takeaways from that with the Democrats,
3: uh, 100,000 or so. Uh, Trump's ahead, and in, It's the blue wall. Trump's two points ahead in Michigan. I mean, in the polls. I mean, Michigan's in play. Yeah, Michigan is in play, Jeff. Do you agree or disagree? Well, I think
2: that President Trump is ahead right now. Again, it's a long way between now and November. But... As a Democrat, I'm almost like, I almost, and give me a sec to explain why, I almost hope he wins, because whoever wins is going to have four years of hell. The, the, the Democrats, and the in the minute Trump starts doing his revenge tour and all that, the, the, you know, the the other than the 35% hardcore form, 65% will be against him. On the converse, if somehow President Biden pulls it off, um, it's going to be the converse, and so I think what this is is whoever wins this time, the other party will win the next. Time. Are
4: you going to put up yard signs? Is that what I'm hearing?
2: <laughs> Rainford's putting up Trump yard signs.
4: Hey, why don't we have Jeff Rainford, John lamping Donna Behringer on the panel? We do not have a primary in Missouri this year. We have caucuses, which I think right. is a terrible idea. And you even said I think last time there was talk about going back the other way. What can someone explain what happened here, John? You want
3: to try? Well, it's easy. It it, it costs about nine million dollars to run an election. And it doesn't cost anything to do a caucus. The parties all pay for the caucus. Mm-hmm. And uh, years ago, when I was in, in General Assembly, we tried to move the primary. We tried to, to, we were primarying then. We tried to move it up to where it would be important. And now that the general consensus is not very important, now we're in front of Super Tuesday. We, we used to be behind Super right, Tuesday, exactly. Right? So the fact is, n- nobody cares. So that, that's why. I mean, do you want to spend $9 million in a primary? If you look at the presidential primary the last two or three cycles, there's been no serious debate, you know, who's going to win. Missouri. In Missouri. Okay.
2: Yeah. So. And
5: that's exactly what happened because this became uh, came before elections again. Mm-hmm. And everyone said we're not making a difference, so why spend the nine million? Right.
2: I mean the weather in Iowa was terrible, but the turnout at the Iowa caucuses were was just terrible and I think that the turnout even in primaries because people are just so, most people other than the hard 20, hard 20 each way, most people are so turned off by politics. Even if you had an $8 million in person thing, the turnout would be low. Now that doesn't mean it won't be low, it'll be, I think it'll still be high in November, but there are just, you know, other than the really hardcore Republicans and hardcore Democrats, most ordinary people don't seem to care very much for the primaries and caucuses right now. I think right you're
4: now. right about that. Hang in there, that's Jeff Rainford, Donna Berenger is on the panel, John Lamping as well. We're gonna take a break, we're at Incarnate Word Parish, in chesterfield the fish fry gets started at four o'clock sue is here with traffic we got the hall of famer fred bottomer abby as well come out and say hi we're live in chesterfield all afternoon
0: t-mobile has invested billions to light up america's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns including right here in yours
4: Hey, we are live at our Fish Fry this Friday afternoon at Incarnate Word in Chesterfield. Jane is off. She will be back next Friday. And on the panel this afternoon, Donna Berenger, John Lamping, Jeff Rainford. Donna, let me just start here with a local story. I saw this on the ex-formerly Twitter earlier, and I I had not heard anything more about this. Apparently, there's a link in this to a KSDK piece. But the, the group Citizens for Greater Downtown St. Louis tweeted out, Another accident last night in downtown, another fatality, crash in downtown St. Louis leaves one dead, one critically injured. And then below that tweet, they also said this. We hear from parking enforcement officers that some people have 200 to 300 unpaid parking tickets and suffer no consequences. Red lights have now simply become suggestions. I can confirm that. Mm-hmm. Speeding and reckless driving are commonplace. I can confirm that. We are sliding far down the slippery slope of lawlessness. Uh, I don't know that that's even debatable at this point, right?
5: It's not debatable, but what bothers me is that we're going to waste time looking at how to redesign all these intersections when at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how it's designed if they're not going to stop at red lights. If they're not going to follow the law, nothing matters how you design it. So we have to get this under control. And the only way to control it is to get these people ticketed and off the streets.
2: Rainford, what do you do here? So, uh, you know, one, they kind of got their facts wrong. Uh, Parking tickets is what they're talking about because that's what the parking division does. So they sort of mixed parking tickets with moving violations. But their point is still right. So I uh, when the mayor and others said we need to redesign streets, I asked uh, the people who used to work for me in city government, the engineers in charge of it and they said, you got to do three things. You do have to do engineering, and that's what the mayor's talking about. You do have to do education, but you have to do enforcement. So you can't, if you, all you do is change the design of the streets and you know tell pedestrians don't jaywalk, you're not gonna get where you are. The police are going to have to give tickets and the municipal courts are going to have to enforce them. And, you know, in some cases, the circuit attorney is going to have to make examples out of them. You cannot do this. You cannot make the streets safe from these marauding speeders if you do not do enforcement. It's not possible. But I think what we're not— It's just not possible. Whether I like it or not is a different story. Whether it's with my philosophy or not is a different story. It's just factual. You cannot stop this without enforcement. Right,
5: but what I had asked for, and this is over five years ago, and I was told it was never tracked, and this doesn't make sense to me, which is I would see accidents, and the cars would be upside down and they have expired plates, they have no plates at all. So I said, I would like a report showing me of all these accidents that are taking place, how many of those cars are stolen, how many don't have insurance, how many don't have this. And they said, we don't do that. Well, well who that's doesn't? Right. It, they said, it doesn't matter because if, you know, if they get in a car wreck, all that matters is they do a, a report about the car wreck, not whether or not they had valid plates or if it was stolen
3: i tell say the jewel that is the city of St. Louis is greatly at risk. You know, uh, My wife and I go to church on Sundays at St. Francis de Sales. So at 9.30, driving down to uh, Jefferson and Graboy, we've got to watch people go 80, 90, 100 miles an hour past us on Sunday mornings, I guess, are on their way home. But uh, something's not done about this. The, the, I mean, this is city of uh, St. Louis is a, it's a wonderful asset. It's a beautiful histor- historical place. There's so many things going for it. And if this isn't solved for, uh, there's no way. There's no way out. I mean, we're having the same conversation right. on this show yeah. today. And we that's we on could a have Sunday. had five years ago. Yes.
5: and that's on a Sunday. From my house, when we want to go to a ball game, we would normally go down Gravois all the way downtown. Mm-hmm. But now we can't because there's so many cars without plates. And if you look wrong, because they you can't see in their windows, we're worried about it actually being shot at. Right. So we stay on the highway now
4: i, I don 't even want to respond
2: to that because well, again, I, I will is,
4: John say, to your point though, you know you say we could't have this conversation five years ago. We did have this
2: conversation well I, I will ago, say okay? though we that, did that both nationally and locally there's some evidence that things are bouncing back the other way within big cities we 're not talking about nationally like Republican Democrat, we're talking about within cities. so San Francisco um, is starting to do some things around crime that f- three or four years ago were unthinkable, and even in St. Louis as recently as Friday. Um, the uh, progressives in the, in the Board of Aldermen want to put all kinds of limits on the police department from using technology, but the mayor, who's been accused of being overly progressive, actually got kind of feisty, saying, no, I'm going to veto that, and I have put it in place, and we got to let our police officers do their jobs, and blah, blah, blah. That would not have happened three or four years ago. So I think there's a little bit of pushback in some places, a lot of pushback from, from city residents like us, like Donna and me, who are like, I want to be able to cross Ginker and go into Forest Park without a 95-mile-an-hour car whizzing by me. And so to some extent, some elect, Democratic elected officials in the city are starting
3: to listen. So maybe it starts with uh, the prosecuting attorney's re-election. You know, I saw something mm-hmm. this week where 70 prosecuting attorneys around the country are all George Soros-controlled. Including our previous prosecuting attorney, circuit attorney. And I think we're finally in a place now in the city where the gentleman's trying to solve, he's trying to prosecute crime. And when's that? That's in, uh, next spring, isn't it? No, lecture, it's right?
2: uh, so it's Gabe Gore. Just I'll get the facts right. real quick, and then you can jump in opinions. Gabe Gore, the primary is in August. Filing is already open. He filed the last time I checked yesterday. It was just him. I think he's done the kinds of things that will ensure that either he'll run unopposed or he'll get some no-name running right. against that's them. a good start. But
5: what he has told us, and it's true, he's so far behind on murders that they are number one, and all that's what all they're focused on. So when, the, when we're talking about quality of life crimes they haven't gotten to them at least he's
3: prosecuting crimes
5: correct but that's what i'm saying that's why we're not going to see the quality of life crimes go down yet well but that makes sense and
4: i think i hope we're in a climate we probably aren't but i hope we're in a climate
2: where gabe gore doesn't even have to campaign very much i I think that's i think that's the the idea
4: react to that and i think
2: that's likely what is going to occur we'll know in about three weeks and you know you got a knock on wood but i asked my progressive friends is anybody getting wound up to run against him And the answer is no. now that doesn't mean some cat or dog won't jump in but he's doing everything that is necessary, including raising money, getting organized, doing a good job, doing good press and, and prosecuting that I think the citizens of St. Louis or I know the citizens of St. Louis want. So I yes. think he's going to I hate to say this because the election's not till August, but I think he's in a really good position today. He
5: is. And in my district, um, he's come to all of my neighborhood meetings and he's gotten a standing ovation from everyone. Good. So, so maybe I'll make my
3: first ever donation to a Democratic
5: candidate. <laughs> <That>. <laughs> yeah, send it to me. Come on, <laughs> you? have never, never made
4: one to a Democrat? You have a lot of Democrat friends. You never donate to any of them? Never. I find that shocking. We're, We're going to go through the financial reports. Uh, you never donated to um, to Mitch McConnell? He's a Democrat in some Oh, people. wow. Oh. Uh, that was my segue here. So the senator decides he's going to stay in the Senate but finally give up leadership. I'm not exactly sure why it took him this long. The other question, John, would be, is anything that comes along next going to be better in your mind? But thoughts on Mitch
3: McConnell? So, uh, The reason I came out because he was going to get pushed out. Okay, like you know, his uh, his um, what he tried to do with this Schumer's bill to to combine the border with you know all the foreign dollar funding uh, that that turned uh, the majority of his caucus against him, and uh, and if he if he did not announce this, I think they would have taken him out on their own, which they they can you know come together and say, hey, you know, it's time for us to really Kevin McCarthy him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, it's, diff- it's different in the uh, Senate as in the House. Now, I think uh, it, what you saw in that bill, in that Schumer bill, there were 17 Republicans that voted for the, the foreign funding. And amongst those 17 Republicans, I mean, that means there are 32 that didn't vote for it. Those 32 were all new people under the age of 55. That's the new majority. So that's the new wave and so that third those 32 are going to that's going who's going to vote for the new leader right that might be true but we're not we're not talking about you know Eric Schmidt or Josh Hawley
4: for majority or minority leader they're talking about guys that are still relatively well, establishment and also- John Cornyn and John well, soon? That's going to be a John. That's no, what I not predicted. Not necessarily.
2: If not, if Donald Trump wins, not necessarily. You don't. If Donald Trump wins, he'll have some influence over it. I, I will tell you that I, I will grant that that Mitch McConnell uh, makes a lurch from the Adams family look like Tony Robbins. Right when you well, you look at the guy, you go, How could this guy be effective? But he knew how to run the Senate. And when let's say Donald Trump wins and he puts his guy or his guy gets in there and doesn't know how to run the Senate and he can't get his Supreme Court nominees through because the guy may be. A big flamethrower, but is not effective in managing his caucus and dealing with the opposition. They're going to miss Mitch McConnell. He got some things. Not, well, not, and when I say this admiringly, I don't mean that I agree with his politics. But he, you know, he should deserve. He deserves as much credit for those Supreme Court, uh, winning those import, uh, Supreme Court nominations as the president does. And I actually saw him, his people in, in action firsthand uh, in the uh, Eric uh, uh Schmidt U.S. Senate race. And he was surrounded by some really smart
3: well, people. And you put some dope in there; well, he may not say be some all dope, the right things. But, but good luck running that caucus. But you know, what I'm hearing, the front runner's Rand Paul. <laughs> and if Rand Paul is willing to do it, they'll vote for him. He'll get the majority of the vote, and that'll it'll be a dramatic change in, in how governments run. Mitch McConnell was the king of the globalists, he was the king of selling out the middle class, he was the king of massive budget deficits that both parties are adhere to. Every time there's a, a coming together and there's a um a bipartisan bill, our deficit gets bigger and bigger. And he's a backroom dealer and you have to be a backroom dealer on some level, but if Ran, if it's true, the rumors I'm hearing, if that's true, if Rand Paul is the leader of the Senate, that's a game changer. But
5: you still
2: have to, mm-hmm. it, let's say you're right, which I'm probably agree with you more than you would think on uh, on fiscal. <laughs> on, on, well, certainly on fiscal, but you still got to pass bills, right? Is yeah. Rand yeah. Paul going to be able to pass well, bills? So that,
4: that's, uh, if it would be Rand, I would favor that in a heartbeat if yeah. it was Rand yeah. Paul over those other names for sure. I, I find that hard to believe that he'd have the majority support to get the votes, but to Jeff's point, you know, then, then what happens? Because you don't typically have someone in that role that's going to be more obstructionist than um, compromiser. Now, John, don't get me wrong. I'm not arguing that that might not be a bad thing in this particular
3: case, but it's not typical. It's not an enviable position. Whoever's president, whoever's in charge of, of our government come January of 2025, they're in a, it's a really tough spot to be in. You know, this, we have, we're running $200 billion budget deficits every month. You know, like this is spending out of control. The way this, the way we're running, we, we're funding all these foreign wars. That, that, and we cannot afford to function, and somebody has to deal with it. And the decisions that are going to have to be made are going to be very difficult, very not popular political decisions. Right. How do you cut $200 billion of deficit spending? I mean, somebody out there is not getting something every month.
5: Yeah, but to, if we don't do something about Ukraine— How's it gonna be when the people are like, why is gasoline six, seven dollars a gallon? Because once Russia takes over Ukraine, then they're gonna be in charge of oil and our prices are gonna go through the roof.
3: We're not gonna spend it. Look, uh, we've got so many problems in this country, including the invasion at the southern border. Who cares about Ukraine's border? We're being invaded five, 10,000 people every single day. So my point is to say, uh, like, we're gonna have a different type of government. If in fact we have Trump, we have Rand Paul, we have the current speaker, It's going to be a very different approach. It's not going to be... But it's populist, Mark. You you forgot President Harris. And they're,
2: they're, oh, they're, 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 it's a populist party. I mean, I see Josh Hawley agreeing with with uh, Congresswoman Bush from time to time, and I'm like, what is going uh, upside down here? But these popular—why would you think that the populists in the House, populist Republicans in the House and the Senate, are going to want to do traditional Republican conservative we government? The
3: country yeah. can't afford to do traditional but that's politics. Not who they are. No, the po- here, what's one of the most popular things with the, the populists? A balanced budget a balanced budget amendment. That's but that a very, would never happen. <laughs> it might happen with this... With, I don't think so. It's with, these, the opposite. They, no, no, I'm saying it's a very difficult political thing to do. You need to have different people in power than we had the last generation or two. Rand Paul is very different. Rand Paul is not McConnell, Pelosi, that to... Br- uh, Brunner, it's not that kind of deal maker. No, absolutely. No, there's, the, the country has to make very, very yes. difficult choices, and the... People who have been leading the country the last 5 or 10 years or 20 years, they, they're never going to make them. New people have to make difficult choices, risk their office.
5: Yes. I, by the way, and I totally don't, I don't disagree with a lot
3: of
4: that, but the problem is, is you know, that with politics, and you're seeing it at play in the Senate in particular, it's like um, the Miss Missouri pageant or Miss America. There's, there's a turn that's taken because you're experienced and you have the depth of knowledge, which there's some truth to that. I'm The only thing I'm challenging you on is... Somebody coming up like a Rand Paul or whoever might be a little bit more, um, in my view, libertarian conservative and actually win the election. Because I, I think that it's still more of a, an establishment caucus, isn't no, it? No, I
3: think you look at that bill that passed, okay, and it was 17 Republicans voted with McConnell. 32 did not. Okay. okay. The and that's the there. people who are going to elect the next leader of that Senate, and that's why he got out now. Because he he. he, he but turned,
2: they, but you're saying those 32 are, are libertarians and not populists? No, I'm saying that the old way of doing business is has I to end. I get the end. way of okay. doing business, but what makes you think that, from a temperament standpoint, these populists want to cut
3: government? Now they may want to spend a different the money, Because uh, they uh, may want to spend it differently, differently. than no, the way no, Democrats do, but they still want to spend. it. Because I run in and amongst the populists, okay, and the, and the and the populists are for less government. They're for less government spending, okay. They're for secure borders. They're for that didn't happen under President Trump. Look, it hasn't sure, happened no. ever. I've been for yeah, smaller yep. government for the last 40 years. Pre- it never happened. President President Trump had Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell handcuff him. That's the old school.
5: To say you want a balanced budget is really difficult to do, but it's easy to say. So if I were to relate to the everyday person, I'd say, okay, we're going to make sure that every citizen in the United States is debt free. That's impossible.
4: All right, hang on. We got to take a break. We're coming back. We got one more segment. We're live at Incarnate Word. It's Fish Fry Fridays. Jane is off on this Friday. We got Donna Behringer, State Rep. John Lamping, Jeff Rainford back with more hey. in a moment. Sue's here as well. We got Sue's news live yeah, from can... Incarnate Word in the next hour. You Hey, welcome back. It's uh, the Rear and Roundtable for a Friday. We are at Incarnate Word Church. We're here for the fish fry, which gets going here. I think we're going to start smelling some really delicious food. I'm taking some home. In just a couple of minutes, yeah. Uh, Jeff Rainford on the panel, former State Senator John Lamping, State Rep Donna Berenger. Just quickly, Donna, on some Jeff City stuff. Can you give us an update on anything that's been happening related to the crime situation, the um, the situation with the police control in the city of St. Louis? Where are we right now? Almost at the halfway point of the session, right?
5: Right. Well, we did uh, pass a bill, a crime bill, and there was some, you know, concerns with it because it had to do with changing uh, if you shoot a dog, what happens if it's a misdemeanor and um, i think that's more cultural than anything but it did pass because we do need to upgrade some things then we had our mayor was in jefferson city because she wanted to make sure that we did not put the police back under the control of the state of missouri now i was on a panel last thursday and i was specifically asked by someone where do you stand on local control and here's what i said i'm the only person on this panel that uh, actually served as an alderman when the police were under the state and then came back under the city. And so many residents were okay with that because it, Mayor Slay was there, and they were comfortable with Mayor Slay. But now leadership has changed, and people are uncomfortable with it. Yes. So what I said was, well, wait a minute. If you go back and you put the police back up under the state, and I'll give you an example, let's say Megan Green becomes our next governor, then are you going to say, Me, Mayor. uh I'm sorry, Megan. Board, President Board of Aldermen, Megan Green, become mayor. We become mayor. No, the governor of the state of Missouri, oh, right? Wait. I'm joking. I'm okay, giving thank oh, you. Don't I, give people I'm heart joking. I, Someone's gonna have to take me out of here. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, is that if it's always gonna be swinging back and forth like a pendulum based on who's in leadership, then let's stop looking at that part of it and figure out what it is we need to do to think more regionally on public safety as a region. I'm tired of this back and forth.
2: You knew Mayor Slay a little bit, didn't
5: you? Uh, I, I <laughs> did.
4: I
2: can't remember what the history did. was I had, there. Had dinner with him recently, so uh, once in a while. So yeah, no. So the reason we push so hard for it is the citizens of St. Louis rightly hold the mayor accountable for crime. When crime is bad. Even under state control, they didn't go to the governor, they didn't go to the police commissioners, they didn't even know who the police commissioners were for the most part, other than insiders. They went to the mayor, and the mayor said, well, if I'm going to, if rightly so, if I'm going to be held accountable, well, then let me do something about it, and then if I don't, they can vote me out of office. Which, by the way, is how they do it in Columbia, Springfield. Jefferson City and pretty much every Look, other and city and in I America. Understand
4: all that, and that's why I was on your side when yeah, all this I
2: voted, happened. I voted
3: to give it back.
4: Right, so. right, yeah. but I have changed my mind, Jeff, and yeah. that's well. That's okay. <laughs> it's
2: fair for you to change your mind. I don't think the circumstances have changed. I also don't think, by the way, as somebody who was in the mayor's office under state control and saw some of the absolute knuckleheads who were appointed to the board and the knuckleheaded things they did and how little they knew about policing. I saw that side, and then I saw it from the side of the mayor's office where everything was done for professional reasons, albeit maybe people disagreed with us or we made mistakes. But at least it wasn't like, you know, we had commissioners okay, who Jeff. were getting people off for crimes. We had a commissioner who was
3: hitting on cops. I mean, we had all kinds oh, of know, crazy hey, stuff on the Hey, that talk show
4: host appreciated the stuff <laughs> from commissioners. All the parking, yeah, I love that
3: stuff. We, we've proven that we can change law, you know, to give, give the power, take the power back, and so let's take the power back for now, and then when things get better in the city and I can drive to church without dodging 100-mile-an-hour cars, then we'll give it back to the city.
5: Well, you're also forgetting that when we brought the police back under the city, that before all the lawsuits were paid for by the state, and there was $20 million in lawsuits with the police department, and now the city's responsible for it. So we're looking at a fiscal... Problem that's going to come up very shortly, but also, what you just said—the people vote them out and they won't be back again. Well, that didn't work, so nope. we still have the same okay, but, leadership we have. So if we're
2: not going to have democracy in the city of St. Louis because it doesn't work, then I guess we should have that be a solution everywhere else in well, the country. Well, why
5: don't we start I mean, talking about our government? The about hold on, our, our
2: federal government. Does anybody here raise your hand if you if you think the federal government is operating like a well-oiled machine? Nobody in this no. room will raise their hands yet. Nobody is saying let's have a dictator. Let's just turn it over to. Okay to somebody else rather than we're going to elect the people. that Democracy is messy. It often fails. That's what the Chinese and the Russians are counting on. And, and to me, you just stick with it because it, it, while but it's not a great th- system, it, it's has better le- than all this the rest has of This
5: has legs them. because our leadership does not listen. Mm-hmm. And they have not told the truth about the crime numbers. Those crime numbers are wrong and i have proof that they're wrong and i'm well, going we talked to prove that
4: this this they are wrong uh-huh. i think they're absolutely wrong but they're let me wrong. let's cut outside
2: of because you're still working on that issue right you
4: you do not yeah, no i'm against refer, the, right?
2: i'm against state control but here's what i'm for there are things the state of missouri could do that would make police officers jobs better i don't see how a police officer's job is going to be better under state control particularly like i said with some of the knuckleheads who got appointed but i do think there are some things that the missouri general assembly can do they could require two man cars they could require a certain percentage of the budget go to patrol officers who are on the streets there are lots of they could they could uh, they could put some of the things that were in the old collective bargaining agreement in the statute there's a lot of things the legislature can do that actually might make crime Go down and actually give the police department independent of okay, the politics that's most state but control ain't one Bottom
4: one. line, the issue though is, is that go, is it going to revert back to state control at the end of the session? Do you think that that less happens?
2: likely than not, but it could happen. But okay. the reason it's less likely than not is the Senate is a disaster yes, area right now. Are a passing a bill is kind of hard, and
5: this may be used as some way to get something else. So that's how it works up in Jeff City, right? And we it's know all that. in the Senate, power's all in the Senate. Is there, was I there do earth? think
2: though you're going to see some alternatives come forward to make things better better uh there's going to be a proposal i think uh, come together about a re- creating a regional uh, police training center where police officers would would get standardized training, which would benefit not only the True. city but those little dinky municipalities in North County and some of the others. Yeah. I think you'll see some other ideas come forward, whether it's too late or not. Uh, that's All right, well, let's question. talk
4: about. I want to close with the governor's race here. John Lamping, Jeff Rainford, and Donna Behringer on the panel. So, d- did Jay Ashcroft suffer a pretty big hit this past week or yeah, not, so, John? So, because he's well, obviously was sort of the favorite because of the name recognition,
3: but he seemingly has stumbled a bit publicly, right? So what I said on March Cox's show Tuesday morning is that race is now over.
4: You think it is? It I is know is I was over. surprised to hear you say that.
3: Yeah, no, it's over. So Jay Jay uh, Jay did something. Uh, essentially, for those who don't know, Jay was asked a softball question. You know, what should Missouri do for veterans? And Jay said, "Well, this isn't politically popular, but no one should get any special consideration over anybody else." Yep,
5: yeah, that's what he said.
3: He said it, and then he and then later he was asked again. He said the same thing, and. Uh, you know, I I, I came on the show 18 months ago, or 15 months ago. I said Keo will win this race by a lot, and it doesn't. It's not in the polls yet. Jay's always been in the lead, but uh, with that, Jay lost the race and Keo won the race because Keo now has the resources. He'll out-fundraise the other two like two or three to one. He will be able to prosecute both what Jay did and what Jay did. Jay, it's over. Like it'll, he'll never recover from this. But then Keogh has the resources to do that and also to present a positive image of who he is. And then I've known Mike since 2009. He's been campaigning for governor ever since. Well, so, he, so in my opinion, you, that race Do you like is, him? I love Mike Keogh, the person. I, his politics are not my politics. My, so Bill Igel's politics are my politics. And, uh, but I've known Mike forever. He's a very nice guy. Uh, he's, Mike is a conservative Democrat. He is a blue dog Democrat. That's who he is. He's in the Republican Party because he wants to be the governor. Well there you go. Wow. Well no wonder I like him. Well. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but Jane, look, you're going to vote for him. Jane's oh. going to vote for him. I mean it, it, it's like and you know and, and it, it, it you know this it, the race itself. I mean, what Jay did with if you're running Jay, you just have to keep Jay in the basement and they let him out and he said that he said what he said and the first ads came out on Wednesday and it's devastating devastating and Missouri is home of you know we have these two uh, military bases here there are 400,000 veterans guess what they're over the age of 18 they live here they vote He'll, he'll never recover, and and Mike has the um, endorsements of all the first responders, he, police, he fire. He wrapped up even more this week, right? There, well, Mike, many- Mike, is, Mike is Mike is Mike is the insider guy, right? So like every every organization that lobbies the capital. Mike has courted them consistently for these 15 years. And every organization that lobbies Capitol, those organizations will endorse Mike Keogh. By the way, a little,
4: there's already been a change in the congressional race in District 3. Taylor Burks, who has a pretty good resume, military guy, ran in District 4, gets in the race. I had him on a couple of weeks ago. And he's out because Kurt Schaefer, Guy I lived in the dorm with at Mizzou in 1983, by the way, <laughs> who ran for AG, former state, you served with him in the Senate, right? He's in that race. So, Kurt, now.
3: Yeah, the, the, actually, there's even new, new news. Uh, so, though he has not announced, uh, it is, is considered to be a fact that Brian Nieves from Franklin County, not in the district as well, Brian is going to declare his candidacy for that race. He's a
4: former state senator, He's, too. I
3: served with Brian. Yeah, right. we we're the same what four about years Wright? together. He's, <laughs> uh, no, you know I think if Eric was going to run, he would have run by would have been out by now so so this this that race shifts if, if it stands with these four candidates or there's eight in total, that shifts very heavily in favor of Kurt Schaefer and uh, Schaefer's also very much rumored to be getting the endorsement of Blaine Lukemark. So uh, that race is, uh, seems like it's changing by the week. I guess so. All right, hey, John,
4: great to have you. Thank you so much for being patient with us with the cancellation a couple of weeks ago. Rainford, thank you for coming out to the Burbs. <laughs> Feel how safe it is out here? No,
2: if you know a uh, true story, and I hate to dog my own city, Quick. but that I, it took me 45 minutes at one time to get downtown, and I was almost late. It took me like 20 minutes to get here. Yeah, from see, sure. it's nice,
4: nice and easy. Donna, great to see you. Thanks thank for pinching for, for Jane. Jane. We're coming back. Sue has Sue's news. We got Paul Hall on Entertainment, Cusimano